Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Salatu wassalamu ala Sayyidil Mursaleen Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahabihi ajma'in wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawm al-dina ma ba'd Fakat qala Allah عن عبد الله بن بصر رضي الله عنه قال أتى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم رجل فقال يا رسول الله إن شرائع الإسلام قد كثرت علينا فباب نتمسك به جامع قال لا يزال لسانك رطبا من ذكر الله عز وجل خرجه, خرجه الإمام أحمد بهذا اللفظ وخرجه الترمذي وابن ماجا وابن حبان في صحيحه بمعناه وقال الترمذي حسن غريب وكلهم خرج من رواية عمر بن قيس الكندي عن عبد الله بن بصر رضي الله عنه. So uh, before we begin, inshallah, um, alhamdulillah, we're continuing with uh, these lessons on Saturday. Unfortunately, Sheikh Tamim couldn't make it because uh, he has a family member who's ill. So we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa taala uh, grant him quick and complete recovery and shifa. Allah make things easy for him and the entire family. Um, uh, usually on Saturdays, Sheikh Tamim is covering the 40 hadith of Imam Nawawi. And um, I didn't feel I could do justice to explaining the hadith the way he would explain it. So I decided, that, you know, maybe it would be better to do something related to the 40 hadith of Imam Nawawi, if not the same thing. So the background behind the 40 hadith of Imam Nawawi is it was initially actually the, the, the asal of it, the, the basis of it was a compilation by one of the mashayikh prior to Imam Nawawi. Uh, Abu Amr ibn Salah, he compiled a collection of hadith of all those things that, comp- that were the comp- comprehensive hadith from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He collected around 20 something, I don't remember the exact number, but 20 something hadith. Imam Nawawi then added to it and it became the famous Arba'in of Imam, Imam Nawawi. We call the Arba'in the 40 hadith, but it's actually 42 hadith. So after Imam Nawawi's time, another very great muhaddith, uh, an Imam uh, Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali, rahimahullah, he took Imam Nawawi's 40 hadith and he added eight more to it that he thought would be appropriate to add. Because the premise, the, the thesis behind that collection was that it should be all those hadith that compile the central, the axial uh, hadith of the Prophet Those hadith that, that devo- the deen revolves around. So he wanted to add eight more to it and he made it an even 50. And then from that even 50, he actually added commentary to it as well. And it became a masterpiece of hadith uh, commentary called Jami'ul Ulumi Wal Hikam. So I thought instead of covering the 40 hadith, uh, because, you know, mashallah, Sheikh Tamim is doing it and I, I could not be able to cover it the way he covers it, uh, I thought I would take from one of those eight hadith that Ibn, Ibn Rajab uh, added to it as an addendum. And we can speak about one of those hadith, inshallah. And inshallah, this way it's related to the, to the original without taking away from the main durus. So the hadith I chose was the last hadith actually he has in the, in the book. Uh, the, the 50th hadith from Jami'ul Ulumi Wal Hikam. And the hadith goes, uh, it's narrated from Abdullah bin Busr radiallahu an, that a Bedouin man came to the Prophet sallallahu and asked, O Messenger of Allah, all that has been prescribed in Islam has become too much for me to keep up with. He came to him and he had this concern that all these things that have been prescribed in Islam, it's become too much. There's so many things and I've heard this comment from other people as well, that sometimes we hear so much that's narrated in the hadith, right? There's so many things that we hear about, so many things we learn about, 
you know, I get overwhelmed trying to do them all. So this person is coming and mentioning the same thing. Now the key point here, the muhaddithun explained this point, and, and uh, before we even go into the main hadith, uh, the muhaddithun explained this point, Ibn Allan in Futuhat al-Rabbaniyah, he clarifies in this point a very important matter, that this Bedouin man, he's referring to the nafl ibadah. Right? Because there's no, there's no magic bullet, there's no silver bullet that you can just do one thing and then you don't have to do anything else in Islam. Right? The things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligated, it will always remain obligated. And all the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prohibited will always remain prohibited. So this person was asking the Prophet for advice that Ya Rasulullah, all these nawafil, all these optional acts that have been narrated, there's so many things to do. There's so many things that are, you know, so many du'as to read, so many uh, uh, acts of worship to do, so many good deeds you can, you can, you can engage yourself in. Sadaqah, right, uh, ta'aleem, uh, tabligh, uh, uh, you know, khidmah. There's so many different ways you can serve. So he said, it's become too much for me to be able to do them all. So he said, give me something, give me a, a matter. Give me such a matter that I can cling to it and remain firm upon it. He said, give me something that I can just, just one matter, one chapter from amongst all these chapters of, 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 of ilm that you've shared with us, one matter that I can hold firm onto it that will, comp- that will be comprehensive for everything else. The Prophet ﷺ advised him, لا يزال لسانك رطبا من ذكر الله عز وجل. The Prophet ﷺ explained that let your tongue constantly remain moist with the remembrance of Allah, the Mighty and the Majestic. And he said, this is something that will allow you, that will encompass everything else. And some people have asked about the authenticity of this hadith. Alhamdulillah, it's, it's a hadith that's been authenticated by many. Uh, Imam Hakim considers this hadith to be sahih. And Hafiz Zahabi also corroborated his assessment. Ibn Hibban included in his sahih collection. And Imam Tirmidhi classified it as being hasan. Ibn Hajar Asqalani also considered the hadith to be Hassan. So it's a hadith that's a reliable hadith that can be mentioned, that is worthy of mentioning. And another sign of its strength is the fact that Ibn Rajab considered this to be amongst those 50 hadith. He considered it worthy to be added to that collection from Imam Nawawi as well. So it's a reliable hadith that is, that is worth practicing upon. In another narration, in the version of Ibn Hibban, it's mentioned that... Uh, Mu'adh bin Jabal asked something similar to him. And Mu'adh bin Jabal radiallahu narrates that Akhiru ma faraktu alayhi Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam an qultu lahu ayyul a'amali khayrun aw aqrab ilallah. Mu'adh bin Jabal radiallahu an he narrates a hadith that Ibn Hibban narrates in his Sahih. And he says, the last thing that I asked the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, one of the last things that I said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam before I departed from him. The story of Mu'adh radiallahu anhu was that the Prophet dispatched Mu'adh radiallahu anhu to go teach the people of Yemen. The people of Yemen, a large number of them had become Muslim. So he sent them numerous teachers. So one of the last teachers he sent him, sent them, was Mu'adh bin Jabal radiallahu anhu. Right? And Mu'adh bin Jabal, when he was leaving the Prophet he actually, by the time he came back from Yemen, the Prophet had already passed away. So these were some of the parting advices and the Prophet actually had indicated to him this point as well when he was leaving. So he mentions one of the last things that I asked the Prophet ﷺ when I was separated from him was I asked him, O Messenger of Allah, I asked him, Ayyul a'mali khayrun aw aqrab ilallah? Wa aqrab ilallah. He said, O Messenger of Allah, what deed is 
the best and the closest, meaning what is the way to get, what is the deed that will bring me closest to Allah? قال أن تموت ولسانك رطب من ذكر الله عز وجل. He says it's that you should die and your tongue remains moist with the remembrance of Allah, the mighty and the majestic. Similar in the hadith that was mentioned in the hadith of Abdullah bin Busr. So this point of keeping a person's tongue moist with the dhikr of Allah, right? constantly in the dhikr of Allah, bearing in mind the very fact that Ibn Rajab included this in his, in his collection, that in itself is a huge commentary in itself. That of all the hadith that he could include in this collection, remember the central thesis that Ibn Salah first started with, that Imam Nawawi first started with, that the people that came before Ibn Rajab started with for this collection. Because Ibn Rajab didn't bring this collection on his own. He built on the works of the people that came before him. He built it on the, on the work of Imam Nawawi, and Imam Nawawi built it on the work of Ibn Salah. Rahimahumullah. The, the thesis that they had, that they wanted to bring together all those things that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that are from amongst his jawami'ul kalim, his comprehensive speeches, his comprehensive words. The Prophet ﷺ from amongst his miracles was he was given this miracle of jawami'ul kalim. He was given this comprehensiveness of speech that a few words would be worthy of volumes of commentary. A few words would be worthy of volumes of commentary. Just by way of example, this book that I'm reading from today, uh, this version of it, it's a two-volume book, right? It's the version that I have is two, two volumes, 1,000 pages in total. And it's all just discussing 50 hadith. It's 1,000 pages discussing 50 hadith. So there's much that can be said about the Prophet's words. Volumes can be filled. Shaykh Tamim had mentioned in previous durus the example of Imam Bayhaqi. That Imam Bayhaqi has one book, Shu'abul Iman, which is the commentary of one, of one hadith. You have like 10 volumes, 15 volumes on just one hadith. So the Prophet had this tremendous miracle, and it truly is a miracle, that he had this jawami'ul kalim. He had this comprehensiveness in what he would say. They wanted to compile the book that is going to be the most comprehensive in what the Prophet had to say. And along with it being comprehensive, they wanted to compile those hadith that were central to Islam. They said that is the Prophet, it, was, it would be said about it that it's half of Islam, or a third of Islam, or a quarter of Islam. Or Islam revolves around this one hadith. All those hadith that are in that category, that are of that nature, they wanted to compile those hadith in one, in one place. So Ibn Rajab adding this hadith to that as an addendum, in his view, this is also one of those, those central hadith that a, a Muslim's life revolves around. What is it? لا يزال لسانك من ذكر الله عز وجل. And this is a great favor upon us all. Because a lot of times we don't know what to do. A lot of times we fall into the situation like this Bedouin. That what do we do? What do we choose? What do we prefer? However, Ibn Rajab has a thesis behind this as well. He has a concept behind this. That what is the reason? What is the, the sir behind the Prophet ﷺ telling him? That if you don't know of all the optional acts for you to do, if you don't know what to do, focus on the remembrance of Allah. He says, let your tongue remain constantly moist with the remembrance of Allah. He first clarifies and he goes into this discussion about this point that where does this concept come from? He said this concept first originates from the Quran itself. Abundance of dhikr, and let's also let's clarify what is meant by dhikr. Dhikr is ultimately remembering Allah, to be mindful of Allah, right? Or to be reminded of Allah. That is the central point of dhikr, is all that keeps us, our hearts and our minds connected to Allah.
So he mentions first and foremost that this concept it stems from the Quran itself. That Allah says numerous places in the Quran, Ya ayyuhalladina amnuthkurullah dhikran kathira wasabbihuhu bukratan wa asila. That O oh, you who believe, remember Allah in abundance. Remember Allah with a remembrance that is abundant in nature. And glorify Him mornings and evenings. Allah says also in the Quran, Wazkurullah kathira. That remember Allah in abundance so that perhaps you can be successful as a result. He also mentions, That those that men and women that remember Allah in great abundance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for them forgiveness and a mighty reward, a tremendous reward. Elsewhere Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah mentions those people, what is the quality of the rememberers of Allah, the abundant worshippers of Allah, that they are those people that they remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala standing, sitting, and lying on their sides. And we'll come back to this last ayah at the very end inshallah. That this is the ultimate point. That this is the quality of the people of remembrance, and this is the quality of the remembrance of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all states. So this quality of remembering Allah in abundance, it is, a, it is an essential part of our deen. Rather, it is the ultimate objective of our deen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ We did not create mankind nor jinn, except for our worship. Meaning the only reason, this, this combination, it's istithna qablahu nafi, right? Is istithna before it is nafi. The benefit of it is called hasr. You feel hasr. It means the only reason why. This can be translated in a different way. That the only reason. What does it mean if you say hasr? Only. In, in short, hasr means only. Allah says in the Quran, the only reason why we created man and jinn was for our worship. And what is the reality of worship? The reality of worship is to remember Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ibn Hajab, Rajab will speak about this more later on, we'll get to that in a moment, but as a precursor to it. Ibn Rajab mentions that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an differentiates between the salah of the believers and the salat of the, munafiq, of the munafiqun, the salah of the believers and the salah of the hypocrites, how does he describe the salat of the hypocrites? How does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an describe the salat of the hypocrites? That he says about them, that... Uh, وَإِذَا قَامُوا إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ قَامُوا كُسَالًا يَرَاؤُونَ النَّاسَ وَلَا يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا That when they stand up for prayer, because even the munafiqun, what is the munafiqun? The munafiqun are those that make, make izhar. They manifest outwardly that they're Muslims, but inwardly they conceal disbelief. Outwardly they, they display that they are Muslims. For some ulterior motives, there's some, there's some benefit in it for them. They outwardly claim to be Muslims, but internally, they conceal their disbelief. So for them to show their belief, to, to pretend they're Muslims, they need to stand with the Muslims when everybody else stands also. Allah describes their standing though. That when they stand for salat, they stand up lazily. When they stand up for salat, they stand up lazily. They only stand up to show the people and they hardly remember Allah in their salat but a little bit. And they don't remember Allah at all except but a little bit. 
Allah describes the quality of the hypocrites that their salat is salat without dhikr. Because the purpose of, like we said, the purpose of dhikr is what? Is to remember Allah. The purpose of dhikr is to be mindful of Allah. So even in a salat, the purpose of salat should be not just standing up and going through a set of motions. Salat is not just standing up and going through a set of motions. Otherwise, what's the difference between that and like a yoga, a yoga routine? Or like a stretch? No, the purpose of salat is to remember Allah. So we'll come back to this inshallah in a bit. He explains that this quality of remembering Allah in abundance, this is the quality of a believer. This is what is desired of a believer. That to be abundantly remembering of Allah. In every situation to be remembering of Allah. Why? Because ultimately, what is the opposite of the remembrance of Allah? To be heedless of Allah. To be unmindful of Allah. And what is the net result of mindful, unmindfulness and heedlessness? The disobedience of Allah. So the Prophet ﷺ, it comes in a hadith of Sahih Muslim. The Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu narrates, عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم مر على جبل يقال له جمدان فقال سيروا هذا جمدان قد سبق المفردون قالوا ومن المفردون يا رسول الله قال الذاكرون الله كثيرا والذاكرات In the hadith of Sahih Muslim Abu هريرة رضي الله عنه narrates that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم on one of his journeys he was passing by a mountain called جمدان he was passing by a mountain called Jumdan, and the people are traveling, you know, kind of spread out. The clarification, clarification comes from other, other, some of the other chains of this narration. Now the people are all spread out, and they're passing by. And he says, the people are all traveling here by Jumdan. But the people that went ahead the most, in another narration, he actually asked Mu'adh bin Jabal. It's a weaker narration, but it's related to this. That he says, who are the people that went ahead? And he says, oh, some of the people, they already passed, and some of the people are still coming. The Prophet ﷺ wanted to use a real-world situation to point a picture in the, in the minds of the Sahaba anhum. And he says, the people passed by this mountain, Jumdan. There's, there's some people that went ahead. There's some people that are in front. They're leading the, they're leading the pack. But he says, the true people that are leading the pack, they are the, they are the mufarridun. The true people leading the pack, they are the Mufarridun. What is Mufarridun? Mufarridun, even the Sahaba asked the Messenger of Allah وسلم, who are the Mufarridun, O Messenger of Allah? Mufarridun means those people that have fully devoted themselves to understanding and worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they asked, O Messenger of Allah, who are the Mufarridun? He says, the, the true people that went ahead, it's not the people that are in the head of the pack. In, re in reality, the people that went ahead of everybody else, they are those people that devoted themselves fully to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the, the Sahaba asked, Ya Rasulullah, who are those people? Who are those people that were fully dedicated like that? The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa explained, الذاكرون الله كثيرا والذاكرات They are those men and women that remember Allah in great abundance. They are the ones that went ahead. It doesn't matter where you are in the army. It doesn't matter where you are in the journey, if you're in the front or in the back. What truly matters is where your heart is. Are you remembering Allah in abundance? This quality of remembering Allah, the pro the pro remember, what are the Sahaba doing? They're coming back from an expedition. They're in fi sabilillah, they're literally in the path of Allah. But the Prophet ﷺ, even in that moment when they're, when they're traveling, when they're traveling for the sake of Allah, the Prophet is reminding them that no, all this, what does it come back down to? It's not what you did with your bodies, it's what you did with your heart. 
More important, it's the body is important, don't get me wrong, the body is important. All the ahkam, right? This is the 50th hadith in the collection, it's the last hadith in the collection. All the hadith before it highlight all the important things in Islam. Right? Bunil Islam wa ala khams. Islam was built upon five things, right? All those hadith, innam al-a'malu all those hadith that were covered in previous weeks. That's still there, we're not discounting any of that. But it's reminding ourselves, in all of that, there should not only be a body to our actions, there should also be a soul. There should not only be a body to our actions, there should be a soul. And what is the soul of our actions? It's that we actually remember Allah in them. That we're actually mindful of Allah in them. Ibn Rajab explains that this, this statement of the Prophet Mufarrid. How do you understand it? Because like I said, the technical definition of Mufarrid is that person who completely isolates himself from the people and devo- devotes himself to deep understanding. He devotes himself to staying away from the, uh, the prohibitions of Allah and implementing his commands. So we explain and he clarifies the point here that the Prophet explained what Mufarrid is so that we don't have our own misunderstanding. Because some people may have this misunderstanding that the Prophet is encouraging people that cut yourself off from the community. Do i'tizal, abandon the people, put yourself in a cave. No, the Prophet wasn't advocating that. Because the Prophet defined who are the people that are truly mufarrid, who are the people that are truly fully devoted to Allah. And he explained, أَنَّ الْمُرَادَ بِالْإِنْفِرَادَ عَلَى الْرِوَايَتَيْنَ الْإِنْفِرَادَ بِهَذَا الْعَمَلِ وَهُوَ كَثْرَةُ الذِّكْرِ دُونَ الْإِنْفِرَادَ الْحِسِّي he explains that what is the, in, the intention, what is the objective in, in saying and speaking about this, this separating oneself, being independent and separated from all people. It is that type of separation that comes from over-occupation with dhikr. As opposed to that independence that comes, that a person has this natural disposition, a person's a loner, he doesn't like being around people. A person's a hermit. This is not saying that there's a great virtue in, in this leaving the community and running away from it. That's not what it's talking about. But when a person is naturally busy, what happens? He doesn't have time for other things. When a person's heart is always occupied, a person is always busy with certain things, he won't have time for other things. Remember, the Prophet in and of himself, in his hadith, he didn't advocate people cut off from the community. Rather, there was a big element of the Prophet's da'wah, which was interacting with the people. Having good interactions with the people, calling people to Islam, teaching the people, Rectifying the problems in society. This was part of what the Prophet ﷺ did. Allah describes the Prophet in the Quran and, 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 and the responsibilities of prophethood in the Quran. And he, he says the Prophet, Allah says that Allah is the one who sends amongst the, the, the unlettered people, the people of the oral tradition, a prophet from amongst themselves. He recites to them the verses of this Qur'an. He teaches them the Qur'an. And he purifies them. And he teaches them the book and wisdom. All these things require a person to be involved with other people. So we can clearly see here, this is not talking about the Prophet saying, now abandon the people. No. It's saying that in whatever you do, have that spirit, have that heart, that your heart is constantly connected with Allah. Look at the Prophet himself. The Prophet is the greatest example of this. The Prophet wouldn't, wouldn't call people towards something he wouldn't do himself. How would the Prophet implement this? Who can be a greater member of Allah than him? Allah says in the Quran, فَإِذَا فَرَغْتَ فَانْسَبْ وَإِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ فَرْغَبْ Allah says to the Prophet and he describes what is the way that when you're free from all the people, when you fulfilled your responsibility amongst the people, 
You freed yourself from all your responsibilities, now stand up. And devote yourself fully towards your Lord. Seek your Lord now. This is the methodology. Stand in the night when the people are sleeping, right? Remember, the pe- remember Allah when you're, we have our moments of privacy. This is not saying cut away from the people. It's saying how do you use your free time? And even with, your, with the people, how do you conduct yourself with the people? So understanding this point, what, what is being said? Those people that remember Allah in abundance, the men and women that remember Allah in abundance, but remembering Allah in a holistic way, where they fulfill all their obligations to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and all the obligations they have in society as well. Similarly, in a hadith of Ahmad al-Nasai and Ibn Habban, Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Istakthiru min al-baqiyat al-salihat Seek to increase those things that will remain for you forever Those good deeds that will remain forever Seek to increase those things Those good deeds that will remain forever Qila wa ma hunna ya Rasulullah So the people asked what are those things ya Rasulullah What are those things O Messenger of Allah قَالَ التَّكْبِيرُ وَالتَّسْبِيحُ وَالتَّهْلِيلُ وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ وَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوتَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ It is the saying of Allahu Akbar and SubhanAllah and La ilaha illallah and Alhamdulillah and La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah It is saying these things, remembering these things. Now this point that we mentioned that the purpose of dhikr is ultimately that we be mindful of Allah. Imam Ahmad narrates a hadith which clarifies this point. Ibn Rajab uses this to explain this thesis that we've been talking about. That he explains what is being asked of us when we're said, keeping yourself, keeping your tongue moist with the zikr of Allah, what is being meant by that? <coughs> so, Ibn, uh, Imam Ahmad rahimahullah narrates a hadith of Sahal ibn Mu'adh from his father, from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that a man asked the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, "Ayyul jihadi a'adhamu ajran ya Rasulullah?" "Qala aktharuhum lillahi dhikran." "Qala fa'iyu sa'imin a'adham." "Qala aktharuhum lillahi dhikran." "Thumma dhakar lana al-salat wa al-zakat wa al-hajj wa al-sadaqa." "Kullu Rasulillah sallallahu alaihi wasallam yaqul aktharuhum lillahi dhikran." فقال أبو بكر يا أبا حفص ذهب الذاكرون بكل خير فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أجل So this hadith is narrated from Mu'adh رضي الله عنه that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was asked by a man that O Messenger of Allah which jihad is greatest O Messenger of Allah So the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said the one that has within it the most remembrance of Allah Right? Or the one who does it with the most remembrance of Allah. In another hadith, it's in a narration of Ubadah bin Samad, if I'm not mistaken. One of the Sahaba, they mentioned this point. That when the Muslims would go out and fight, how would they fight? When they would defend the Muslim lands, when they would have a responsibility to, to, to defend the Muslims, to defend the, the people that are under their jurisdiction, how would they fight? He gave them the advice, the people in the, in, 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 that, were, that were battling with them, that go to battle with your righteous deeds. So they understood that what was the powerhouse when a person is doing work of deen? They're serving the community. When they're going out and they're calling, the da'i ilallahs, right? They're calling people to Allah. 
when they're out in the community, they're feeding the poor, when they're out in the community doing good things, what is the powerhouse for the Muslims? And this is also the test of their sincerity, and we'll come to that in a bit. What is the thing that is the backbone of their, and the thing that gives them strength? It is the dhikr of Allah, that the tongues remain dhikr, and more importantly, that the tongues remain moist with dhikr, and more importantly, their hearts remain moist with dhikr. The Prophet is being asked, what is the greatest form of, what is the greatest jihad, O Messenger of Allah, in reward? Ayyul jihadi a'adhamu ajran, ya Rasulullah. Which jihad will receive the most reward? He says, the one, of, the, the, the one that is the greatest in the remembrance of Allah, within it. Then he was asked, which fasting, O Messenger of Allah, is greatest? He says, that fasting that has the greatest remembrance of Allah within it. Then he was asked about salat. Then he was asked about zakat. Then he was asked about hajj. Then he was asked about sadaqah. In everything that he was asked, the Prophet ﷺ responded, "Aktharuhum lillahi dhikran." It is that it is that act of worship that has the greatest remembrance of Allah within it. Upon hearing all this, Abu Bakr radiAllahu said, "Oh Abu Hafs, Abu Hafs was the kunniya of Umar radiAllahu an." All the people that remember Allah, they've walked away with all goodness, all the goodness. They took away all the rewards. The people that remember Allah, they took away everything. Why? Because ultimately when you come down to it, every worship that we do, every act of uh, obedience that we do to Allah, every act of abstinence that we do for the sake of Allah, it all comes down to this. How much did we remember Allah within it? Ultimately, when people sit down and they do the dhikr of Allah, they sit down and they take a sibha or a tasbih and they say, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah, Subhanallah, Subhanallah, Allahu Akbar. After the first salah, we recite the tasbih, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar. Before going to sleep, reciting the tasbih, Fatimi, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar. All these azkar that the Prophet mentioned at the various times, what is the ultimate purpose? When a person becomes habituated to constantly taking the name of Allah, Allah eventually becomes part and parcel of who they are. I've seen this in, I, I, I used to think about why does she always do this? My mom had this thing. My brother's here, he can also mention that she does this, right? Uh, my mom has this thing. I remember we would be, if, you're, if, you're, if, if I'm driving or any of us is driving, and you happen to, you know, sometimes someone cuts you off, you have to hit the brakes hard and sudden. I remember when I was young, my first reaction wasn't maybe in the best of ways, but now I'm realizing how great it is. That the moment you, 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 someone jams the brakes, all of a sudden, the first thing she says is, La ilaha illallah. Right? She, she, she just says, La ilaha illallah. Automatically. Why? This thought crossed my mind one time. A friend of mine actually told me this thing, and it reminded me of this habit of my mom. He mentioned to me the reason why he stopped listening to music. He says one time he got into an accident. I think he got into an accident, or, or he, he, he saw an accident. I forgot which one it was. And he said that when the accident happened, there was like vulgar music in the background. And he said, what if I had died and the last thing that I'm listening to is these vulgar lyrics? He said, I don't want to die in a state where the last thing going through my ears, the last dhikr that I'm making is some profanity or some obscenity. He said, that's it, I'm done with it. No more, no. I think he said, I don't know if you got rid of it completely or just in the car, but he said, that's it, I'm done with it now. And it reminded me of this habit of my mom, that imagine, Allah, Allah forbid, Allah save us, Allah give us all a good end. But we all have to go. We all desire that the last words on our tongue should be, La ilaha illallah. How do you make the last words on your tongue, La ilaha illallah? Then spend your life saying, La ilaha illallah. 
When you spend your life saying La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah will come off the tongue easily at the end of life as well. How does a person in the, in, in the time of calamity, the Prophet ﷺ saw a woman who was grieving, and the Prophet ﷺ enjoined her toward patience. She didn't realize it was the Prophet ﷺ. She said, what do you know about my grief? What do you know about what I'm going through? He didn't, she didn't realize it was the Messenger of Allah saying it to her. She was turned away from him. So the Prophet ﷺ, he saw her state, he, he, she, she was grieving, she was emotional, he walked away without saying anything. The people quickly came to her and told her, you know the person you just said that to, that was the Messenger of Allah? She, she was distraught, she was, she, 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 she was afraid, she, she was apologetic. She didn't want to disrespect the Messenger of Allah, she quickly went to him. She quickly went and she told the Messenger of Allah, oh Messenger of Allah, I didn't know it was you. But what did the Prophet ﷺ tell her? The Prophet ﷺ told her, "Inna sabri inda sadmatil ula." That the time for patience it is only at the very first instance. It's when you go through that first pain, the first shock. That's the time for patience. Yeah, five years have gone by. Who's not going to be patient? No, 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 at that first moment, at the first injury. But where do people gain the strength to have that courage? To have that fortification when the first wound is inflicted. Where do they have that patience? Where, when are they able to remember Allah? Is when their hearts are always remembering Allah anyways. Brothers and sisters, when we are remembering Allah in abundance in all situations, automatically, when we need to remember Allah, we'll automatically remember Allah. Why? Because we become habituated to it. This is the thesis. This is the explanation that Ibn Rajab has given. Why he included this here. That remembering Allah in abundance, keeping your tongue moist with the remembrance of Allah, what is the benefit of it? What is the fa'idah of it? What is the takeaway from it? Is that when you're constantly remembering Allah on your tongue, when you're constantly remembering Allah in your heart, automatically wherever you go, you're not going to be unmindful and heedless of Allah. Your worship will be meaningful. Your worship will be significant. Like we mentioned, and it's coming inshallah, that the quality of the hypocrites, what was the quality of the hypocrites? Allah describes it in the Quran. That when they stand for salat, they stand for salat lazily. They only do it showing the people and they don't remember Allah at all but a little bit. They hardly remember Allah at all in their salat. The quality of the salat of the hypocrites is the lack of dhikr within it. So when the Prophet is describing in this hadith, that has a couple of mutabaat that are musal as well. For those that are curious about the strength of the hadith. That this hadith, the Prophet is describing all these people, that who was the best people in fasting, in prayer, in hajj, in zakat, in sadaqah, in all these things, is always the one, the one who has the most remembrance of Allah in their act of worship. In another hadith it comes, paraphrasing the hadith, that for some people they offer their salat and they're given one-tenth. Some people they offer their salat, they're given one-ninth, one-eighth, one-seventh, one-sixth, one-fifth. Equal to the amount they remember Allah in their salat is they proportional, I should say, proportional to the amount they remember Allah in their salat is the amount of reward they will get out of their salat. The amount of reward we get in, this, in our salat is proportional to the amount we remember Allah in it. Even our salat, it is contingent upon actually remember, remembering Allah within it. So, Ka'ab rahimahullah, 
one of the tabi'een, Ka'b ibn Uzra, if I'm not mistaken, rahimahullah. He says, Man nifaq. Now that we've understood this point, that the quality of the hypocrites are those that they, they hardly remember Allah, hatta even if they're in salat. They hardly remember Allah even if they're in prayer. Even when they're standing in front of Allah, they hardly remember Allah. We can also understand something, the, mukha, the mafhum mukhalif, the implied opposite of this. That if the hypocrites are those people that hardly remember Allah in their salat, then the quality of the true believers is they'll remember Allah in abundance in their salat. If the quality of the hypocrites is that they hardly remember Allah in their salat, then the quality of the believers should be that they'll remember Allah more and more in their salat. Or I should say, the more perfect our iman becomes, the more perfect we'll remember Allah. This is not saying that a person, it happens to us, we're human beings, maybe we become unmindful sometimes in our salat. It's not saying that a person doesn't have iman. That's not what we're arguing. But it's saying that there's one more aspect that we can do to fortify our faith. Is one more thing we can do to grow in our faith. And brothers and sisters, ultimately that's what this whole deen is about. Is trying to see what can we do to increase ourselves in our faith. To strengthen our faith. One of those things is, the more we remember Allah. And what greater motiva- motivation can there be? That the more we remember Allah, the more this is a sign of our being free from all hypocrisy. One of the signs of us being free from hypocrisy is the more we remember Allah. And the amazing thing about this is, no one can know about this but yourself. You can't judge no one else about this, and no one can judge you about this. But we can judge ourselves about this. How much am I remembering Allah when I stand up in salat? How much am I remembering Allah when, I, when I'm fasting? It, it really broke my heart one time. I was at a, at a certain masjid, uh, this is a few years back. I was at a certain masjid, and it was the last day of Ramadan. And it was after Asr. And after Asr, the hadith was read of, you know, not quarreling in, in, in Ramadan. That if someone tries to argue with you in Ramadan, tell them I'm fasting and walking away. And walk away. This was, this was read after Asr Salat. That masjid had a habit. After Asr, they would read a hadith. After Asr, after Asr was performed, the, the Imam that led Salat read this hadith. And then he gave this, ad, uh, uh, this reminder to the brothers and sisters that we only have maybe a few hours left in Ramadan. Let's not waste it in argumentation. I, I, I leave the musalla and I'm walking out the door. And by the door of the masjid, there's some people that are fighting about the moon sighting. Should we do moon sighting? Should we do calculation? Should we follow Saudi? Should we do this? Should we do that? Whatever. So they're walking out. I'm like, man, Allah guide us all. That's all that was all I had to say. I just wanted to walk out. But then they grabbed me. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just like the next, the next person walking out the door. Wrong person, wrong place, wrong time. I'm walking out the door. He says, brother, you tell us. What do you think about this? And my brother, like they just read the hadith that, you know, if someone's trying to argue with you when you're fasting, say you're fasting and walk away. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm fasting. I, I don't want to argue. No, we have to argue. I'm like, I, I'm sorry, I'm fasting. Literally, the exact opposite because we're so consumed that it's more important to figure out that, am I right or are you right? What, what is the objective in those final moments of Ramadan? Remember Allah. A person who's going to be busy with the remembrance of Allah, that reminder of the words of the Messenger of Allah, that's sufficient. I don't need to argue about moon sighting no more. I don't need to argue about calculations or Saudi or sighting or whatever. Right now my focus is Allah. Another time, actually this happened to me this Ramadan. I happen to go to a shop and the shopkeeper starts making a ghibat of a person that we both know. And I tell the person, brother, like I'm, I'm fasting, I don't want to talk about another person. 
He said, no, no, we have to talk about this. I'm like, why do we have to talk about this? I can't change nothing about this. You can't change nothing about this. Why do we have to talk about this? I'm fasting. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, like, don't destroy my, whatever, do what your fast, what you want. Don't destroy my fast by backbiting. Brothers and sisters, what is this about? When we can constantly keep in our mind the, 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 the reality of the message of Allah, the reality of the message of the messenger of Allah, the reality of what we're doing in these acts of worship, that Allah is watching me, Allah is hearing me, this will make our, our worship be enhanced. This is why when the Prophet said, who is the person best in fasting? The one who remembers Allah the most in it. Imam Ghazali clarifies that there's three levels of people fasting. You have the people, the general fast of the lay person. That they stay away from food, drink, and fulfilling their desires, right? Their, 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 their uh, carnal desires. And then you have the fasting of the people that are elite, slightly above, one class above, the khas. What is their fasting? They stay away from food and drink, and also they stay away from all sins. They remember Allah a little bit more, and that causes them to stay away from sins as they're fasting. And then you have the fasting of the akhasul khawas, the super elite, the people that are truly close to Allah. What is their fasting? That they try as much as possible throughout the days of Ramadan not to be heedless of Allah for even a moment. To remain mindful of Allah at all times. To remain mindful of Allah at all times. <clears throat> this is what, they're, what is being discussed here, brothers and sisters. When the Prophet ﷺ is discussing the لا يزال لسان رطب من الذكر الله that let your tongue remain moist in the remembrance of Allah. What is it referring to? Because let's understand, realistically speaking, is it possible for a person literally 24 hours a day to be saying, SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah. What about when you go to the bathroom? What about when you're eating food? What about when you go to sleep? Physically, brothers and sisters, it's actually not possible that 24 hours a day, non-stop, your tongue is going to be saying, SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. That is not the mafhum. That is not what is intended. That is not the meaning that is implied here. And this is what Ibn Razab is trying to explain. That the Prophet, what is the th when he says this, what is he saying? Not literally your tongue, but your heart constantly remaining engrossed with Allah. Not being unmindful of Allah for even a moment. He explains, that Allah described the hypocrites that they are those people that hardly remember Allah but, but, but a little bit. So those that remember Allah in abundance, they've separated themselves and distinguished themselves in their qualities from the hypocrites. خَطَمَتْ سُورَةُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ بِالْأَمْرِ بِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ That's why Surah Munafiqun, it is completed, it is sealed off with the command to do the dhikr of Allah. What does Allah say at the end of Surah Munafiqun? يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تُلْهِكُمْ أَمْوَالُكُمْ وَلَا أَوْلَادُكُمْ عَنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Ya amanu. Allah describes in Surah Munafiqun all the qualities of the hypocrites or specific hypocrites that were there at the time of the Prophet And then he mentioned at the end of it a command to the believers. Ya amanu. O you who believe. Because what is going to be the natural reaction of a believer? That when you hear about the hypocrites, your reaction is going to be, how can I not be like them? 
And what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? La tulhikum amwalukum wa la awladukum hanadhikrillah. That do not allow your wealth nor your children to destroy you. Right? To, to, to take you away. To cut you off from the remembrance of Allah. Do not allow your wealth, meaning the pursuit of your wealth or the preservation of your wealth. Do not allow that. Yes, we all have to live to earn a li- We have to all have to earn a living to live. We need to do that. But don't become so engrossed in your, in your needs for the world that it takes you away from remembering Allah. And similarly, in your livelihood, don't allow your livelihood to be something which is completely devoid of the remembrance of Allah. Sheikh Nuh Hamim Keller, Hafizullah, I remember one time in one of his lectures, he was mentioning this point that he used to buy all his, his yogurt from a sheikh in the locality, Sheikh Yunus. And he said, I buy all my yogurt from him because he's a yogurt maker. But he's a yogurt maker that he starts in the morning making his yogurt and he finishes in the afternoon making his yogurt, but the entire time in between he's doing the dhikr of Allah. A lot of times we're doing mundane tasks at work. See what we can do Or if nothing else I'm not going to do anything haram While I'm at work Because I'm, I'm mindful That Allah is watching me I'm not going to lie I'm not going to steal I'm not going to cheat I'm not going to backbite All the water cooler chit chat I'm going to guard myself Why? Because Allah is watching me This too is the dhikr of Allah So he says Do not allow your, your wealth Your money Nor your children Yes, spend time with them Take care of them Raise them Focus on their tarbiyah But do not allow the, the engagement with them To take you away from salat al-jama'at To now cause you to give them something which is haram To cause you to forget Allah in, in how you raise them and what you give them Rather in everything that we do From A to Z Yes, we need, there are certain things that we must do We must take care of our families We must earn a livelihood But do not allow that to be an excuse To become unmindful of Allah this is what is being mentioned here. And this is what he's ex- explaining, that when a person in these things even, they are mindful of Allah, then this is a sign of their true faith within them. Rubaiya ibn Anas, rahimahullah, says that he heard this from some of the Sahaba. The alamatu hubbillahi kathratu dhikrihi. That the sign that you truly have love for Allah is that you remember Allah in abundance. Why? فَإِنَّكَ لَن تُحِبُّ شَيْئًا إِلَّا أَكْثَرَتَ ذِكْرَهُ Because you will not love something except that you become excessive in remembering it. When a person loves cars, they're always talking about cars. People that love food, foodies, what are they always talking about? Food. Right? When people love books, bibliophiles, what are they always looking for? The next book. People that love something will automatically constantly be speaking about it. Constantly be reading about it. Constantly be engrossed with it. How can it not be that when you love Allah that you're not constantly going to be connected with Him? Right? So how do we do this? We try to get as much as possible to involve ourselves in the remembrance of Allah in as much as possible. And we'll get to that in a moment. We'll end with this point on this key to clarify this point. Aisha radiallahu anha explains a very key point to kind of summarize this thesis that Ibn Rajab has been speaking about for this entire lesson that we've been covering. And she mentions in a hadith of عن عائشة رضي الله عنها كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يذكر الله على كل أحيانه 
Aisha radiallahu anha explained that the Prophet sallallahu would remember Allah in every single state, in every time of his, or every moment of his. In every stage of life, in every uh, uh, moment of life, he was remembering Allah. And we mentioned this verse earlier, that Allah tells the believers, remember Allah, standing, sitting, and lying on your side. In the very beginning, we started off with this. The ayat of the Qur'an that Allah is speaking about remembrance of Allah, that Allah describes this for us, that remember Allah, أُذْقُرُ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ عَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ That they remember Allah, standing, sitting, and lying on the sides. What does that mean? That whatever state they're in, their heart is not separated from the remembrance of Allah. He explains what does this mean? فِي حَالِ قِيَامِهِ وَمَشِّهِ وَقُعُودِهِ وَاتِّجَاعِهِ he mentioned that regardless of his state, whether he was standing or walking or sitting or lying down, his heart was always with Allah. So brothers and sisters, now the question comes, that seems like a tall order. How do we get to that point? Because now a lot of people will be, let me just throw in the towel from right now. I can't do that. I can't remember Allah day and night. How do we get to that stage? How are we able to get to that point that we're, we're constantly connected with Allah? And then the other thing that we think, shaitan gets this in our hearts. Right? إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانِ يَعْدُكُمُ الْفَقْرِ وَيَأْمُرُكُمْ بِالْفَحْشَاءِ Shaitan always promises you neediness and he, pro- and he commands you to do evil things. Shaitan doesn't like it when you hear good things. So he convinces you of why everything is impossible to do. Brothers and sisters, Allah would not encourage us to do something if it was impossible. And Allah wouldn't encourage us to do something if it wouldn't benefit us. Realize first and foremost, it is definitely possible. Rather, what happens? When a person increases in the remembrance of Allah, Allah increases in his remembrance of him. This is a mutual relationship. The more you remember Allah, the more Allah remembers you. What does it mean Allah remembers you? Does Allah ever forget anyone? No, Allah is constantly aware of all things. But when we mention that Allah remembers you, no, it means Allah gives his special attention to you. Allah sends down a special love for you. Because the more you connect with someone, the more you're going to be engaged with them. I remember I put this to the test one time. Right? I had this, this, uh, this co-worker at work that was always moody, always upset. Always angry. And I, I, I don't know, either he was like that with everybody or he just didn't like me. I, I don't know which one it was. So I put this to the test one time. Every single day when I would come into, and the thing is, I would have to cross him every single time when I would come into work. Every day, I would cross him. Sometimes once a day, often twice, three times a day. It would happen, I would have to cross him. I made it a point that every single time I would walk, him, walk by him, I would say, hello, how are you doing? Everything good? Just, uh, just pleasantries. We wouldn't have a conversation. I would just say hello. Hello, how are you doing? You know, Small pleasantries, just the stuff that we say to you know, random people, even at the store. But I would do this every day without fail. This went on for probably a couple of years, or maybe not, maybe not even that, maybe less than that. But this went on for a very long time. Every single day we would have this exchange of pleasantries. After some time, I happened to go on vacation. I was gone for like two weeks. I was gone for an extended period of time. I didn't tell him, I think it was like we didn't, you know, we, we wouldn't talk. All we would do was exchange pleasantries. But I was gone for a couple weeks. When I came back, he's like, where were you? What happened? Everything all right? 
he literally, he noticed my absence and it like actually started to affect his mind. He, concern came in heart for me. Why? Because ultimately, we're interacting with each other on a daily basis. And when the interaction was missing, all of a sudden there's a little hole in your life. The more you interact with someone, the more you become, you become, you know, uh, 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 you become connected with them. An affinity grows for them. And it becomes mutual. Brothers and sisters, if this is how it is with people, my uncle, you know, he was uh, on the day of Eid, uh, he was talking about how he, how he got into gardening. And then I asked him, why don't you put in like, you know, drip irrigation so it's easier for you to water, so you don't have to water the plants. It'll water itself. He says, no. He says, when you go and water the plants every day, an attachment grows for you. There's a, there's a love that comes for you in the plants. You enjoy it. You love it. You love their company. So he said, I, you know, the heck with the drip irrigation. I want to keep watering the plants. You should do the same thing. Water the plants with your own hand. It'll cause you to have more connection. Yeah, because you're interacting with it more. Brothers and sisters, if this is how it is with plants, with strangers, with random people, how can it not be that if you remember Allah every single day, a bond will not form over time? Eventually, uh, that, uh, something will come, a connection will come. And Allah speaks about this in the Quran. Allah is describing those people that believe. That they believe and their hearts find solace with the remembrance of Allah. But then Allah says, take notice, take heed. It is through the remembrance of Allah that the hearts find peace. Brothers and sisters, there's something in our hearts Allah has put there, Allah created there. Every single person has within us, we're, we're made up of different things. We have body, mind, and soul. When you get hungry, when your body needs food, what happens? You get hungry. If you give it food, if you give it water, the hunger is not going to go away. You need food to, 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 to satiate your hunger. Similarly, your mind needs sustenance. The sustenance of the mind is rest, is sleep. If you get sleepy and you keep eating more and more and more and more, and more food, what happens? Is, is your sleepiness going to go away? No. If you're hungry and you just go to sleep, what's going to happen? When you wake up, you're still going to be hungry. To do away with the fatigue of the mind, the, the, to give sustenance to the mind, you have to have rest. You have to have sleep. To do away with the hunger, to give sustenance to the body, you have to have food. But just like that, to give sustenance to the soul, we have this ruh within us. To give sustenance to the soul, you have to give it the right sustenance. And the sustenance of the soul is the dhikr of Allah. The sustenance of the soul is remembrance of Allah. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning that Allah bi-dhikrillahi qulub That take notice, it is only through the remembrance of Allah that the hearts will find peace. Take solace in this point, brothers and sisters, that for us to remember Allah, to connect with Allah, this is not something, do away with that whispering of shaitan. Rather, by doing this more and more, the more we become, a, we become closer to Allah, the more we gain an affinity for it, the more we gain a connection with it, eventually, the hearts become like a fish without water when you, have, when you don't have dhikr. And this is what he's trying to promote. That all these things that we do, these are things that help us to gain more and more dhikr of Allah. He ends this discussion with a couple more points and inshallah we'll end with that for today. He mentions now, let's understand what is meant by the dhikr of Allah. Does it mean to only take a sibha, only take a tasbih, and just say over and over on it, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, allahu akbar? He says no. There's a variety of dhikr. There's modality of dhikr. And for amongst those things that in dhikr is, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prescribed for us the five daily salat. 
The five daily salat, this is the dhikr that everyone must do. This is the starting point. Salat is also the dhikr of Allah. But along with salat, you can do more salat. But along with that, there's, there's different acts of worship that we can do that will connect us more and more to, to, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Recitation of the Qur'an. Right? There's certain times that a person, the more you read the Qur'an, the more it connects you with it. Ta'aleem, sitting down in the dars, what we're doing right now. Are we not do, sitting here for the sake of Allah? Are we not doing this to remember Allah? The, remembering the hadith of the Prophet All these different things. Yes, to sit down with a, with a tasbih, with a sibha and to say, Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Or to remember those things that the Prophet would do at different junctures. When we wake up, when we go to sleep, in different junctures to know what the Prophet did and to do them. These all fall into the category of the dhikr of Allah. So when the Messenger of Allah was saying, that what do we do? How do we make this? Because remember, what is the Bedouin asked? The first hadith that we started off with. The Bedouin asked the Messenger of Allah that I'm becoming overwhelmed with all the things, all the optional acts that the Sharia has prescribed. How then? Tell me something that I can cling to. Tell me something that I can hold on to that will suffice me. The Prophet told him to allow your tongue to constantly remain moist with the dhikr of Allah. Yes, part of that is to say it on the tongue. But Ibn Rajab is explaining this point. But along with saying it on the tongue, realize all these things encompass it. That all those things that we do that connect our hearts to Allah, this falls in the, into the broad category of the dhikr of Allah. And the more we do it, the, even if we do our day, things in our day-to-day life, we eat, we sleep, we drink, we live our lives in accordance with reading the du'as of the Prophet, doing all these things, this will make us be able to make every act of our life. Like the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, just like the Prophet would remember Allah in every state, it will help us to remember Allah in every state. And this is the message that he's trying to, to, to convey. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those people to give us the, 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 the fortitude and the stamina and the himma to actually try to become from amongst those people that remember Allah in abundance and to remain constantly connected with Him step by step, right? Finding those small things to do, adding one thing at a time and increasing in them, inshallah this will help us to be able to eventually reach that point. Don't let it overwhelm us. Start with one thing, make a habit of it for a few weeks and then add one more thing until eventually, subhanAllah, over time, you'll be amazed how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has enabled us to be able to acquire. And with His help, what, is not, what does not become easy? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ability and make it all easy for us. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala